Hi, welcome to Convos with the Euros. I'm Daniel. And I'm Carla. We are a married couple sharing weekly conversations about God, family, ministry, and everything in between. Welcome, welcome. Hello, everybody. Hi, everyone. We're so excited that you're here. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. I keep saying everything twice. Hello, hello. Welcome, welcome. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's your introduction right there. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, first of all, we want to introduce ourselves. My name is Carla. And I am Daniel. We are a married couple and we are telling our story which is filled with so many miracles and so much of the hand of god yes and so that is what this show is going to be all about we're going to share inspirational stories we're going to share our own story and our own journey through uh my husband's covid 19 battle and everything that we are kind of facing after the fact yep and we're going to share other stories of people who've gone through some amazing things and who have some inspiration and wisdom to share with us. Um, so it's going to be amazing. Yes, so, I'm very yeah. excited. This is not just going to be us ranting all the time, or maybe it will be, but it's not just going to be us ranting all the time. Um, we're excited to have guests on to be able to share that God is still God in this time, you know, in this very scary time. Absolutely. He's still moving. He is still a powerful God, and we are just so excited to begin to share a little bit of what he places in our mm -hmm. hearts for all of you. Mm -hmm. So today's first episode um, of the podcast ever is going to be titled, This Is Us, the most original title because we came up with it ourselves. Right. I've never heard it ever. ever anywhere so I just thought it was life. perfect. It's absolutely <laughs> amazing. So um, I guess I'll start it off. Um because we want to talk a little bit about uh, yeah we we want y'all to get to know who we are yeah so um we're a young married couple like uh my wife said in the intro um and the way this all started off was you know our, our, fun fact our siblings are married so carla's older brother is married to my older sister and that's kind of how we met you know through the family reunions and everything i saw this woman i was like <laughs> don't judge us it's not weird at it's all. not weird um <laughs> no every every time i'm like oh yeah that's my sister and my wife no, <laughs> <laughs> not that yeah. kind of family um, but yeah that's how we kind of got to know each other for yeah. like four or five years before anything even blossomed between the two of us yes and then fast forward seven and a half months of dating you popped the big question i did i said do you want to scratch my back for the rest of your life and you said yes I said, absolutely. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, he asked me to marry him. Yeah. And, you know, fast forward seven and a half months later, we were married. Yeah, we had a we had a pretty quick um, engagement phase. Do we recommend that? <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a really good question. Do we recommend that? Carla, do you recommend it? We knew each other for a lot of years and we knew each other's family. So You're I think not That's answering a big... the question, baby girl. <laughs> I think it's totally based on the situation, but we knew each other for many years. So, so it's it was, subjective it was fast to one's reality. Yes, okay. Always. I get it. I get it. I don't recommend it. Um, <laughs> especially if you don't have things aligned. We did by the grace of the good God almighty that is in heaven. But yeah. even though we had things aligned, there were a lot of, um, 
there, there were a lot of bumps in the road, you know? Yeah, yeah. We had to learn a lot of things. Yeah, But quickly. it was amazing. It was. I loved every bit of it. Yeah. And I then was excited to be engaged. Fast it was, it forward was a fun again. Phase. It was a super fun phase. We were yeah. able to do so much. But also, fast forward a year and a half later of marriage, wonderful marriage. I love our relationship. I love our marriage. Mm -hmm. And we got to travel, go on vacations, do really fun things we together. Did a lot. And then comes the pandemic on mm -hmm. our first year of marriage. I'm working as a nurse in a hospital and in a COVID unit, a COVID unit yeah. <laughs> for 10 months. <laughs> um, I quit doing that. I needed a break. And fast forward to February 14 of 2021, our lives were changed forever. Yes. The most romantic Valentine's Day that anyone could ever ask for. I fell ghastly ill. Yeah. And I was uh sentenced to the hospital. So that's kind of where, where our story comes into yeah. play. So we had been struggling for 10 days at home with COVID. I was having difficulty breathing, but thankfully I got through that hurdle. They say seven to eleven days into COVID are the worst. Got through it, but Daniel at day 10 felt really, really ill. Yeah. I rushed him to the ER. Um And two hours later, he was intubated and sedated. It turned out his pneumonia wasn't that bad that required intubation, but his kidneys had completely shut down. Mm -hmm. To this day, we don't know if he had, you know, kidney problems before and yeah, we, COVID made it worse. Sure. But for some reason, it just shut down his kidneys. COVID has been known to affect kidneys. So uh, we entered into the worst season of our lives mm -hmm. and you know two weeks into daniel being sedated like in a coma like state if we can call it that um well he, i mean it was it was medically induced, yeah yeah so, yeah yeah he he was completely asleep for two weeks fighting for his life i'm being told that he's not going to make it that he needs something called ecmo which in kind of simple terms is an artificial lung and basically what it does is that And for Daniel's instance, he had these hoses connected to his body that were the size, I kid you not, I got to see him in person on this machine, and it is the size of a garden hose, and these no, hoses. I, I wasn't awake. I he was, was not awake was for this part. He is still sedated, and basically, he had one tube going into his neck, and then two of these hoses going into his legs, and basically, they would pull the blood out of his body put it through a machine that had these oxygen tanks that basically would pull the carbon dioxide out of his blood and put the oxygen into his blood because his lungs, even though he's hooked up to a ventilator, his lungs could not make that gas exchange because they were so uh, inflamed and damaged. There was so much um, mucus buildup, you know, mucus buildup in his lungs. Um, actually, I believe it was your right lung. It would collapse. It would reopen and collapse multiple times. Your lungs collapse and they would have to go in and try to suction, you know, out of his lungs, um, all fun of that stuff, gunk. Fun stuff. Yeah, you know, fun times, you guys. <laughs> I, I've learned so many things. Even though I was a nurse, I've learned so many things. How long were you a nurse for? For three years before. Oh, wow. Yeah. Three years? Three years oh, before man. you got sick. It was a lot. And we're married. Mm. And, mm, <laughs> <laughs> But then just to, to kind of continue with the story, um, You know, the, the blood would go through this machine and then it would go through the dialysis machine because at this point his kidneys are, were still shut down. And spoiler alert, <laughs> they're, still, they're still shut down. His kidneys have still not improved. So he is currently on dialysis at 24 years old. Yeah. So uh, just to kind of continue giving the medical side of things, um, Daniel is still sleeping at this point. He stayed on this machine for three weeks. This machine is actually designed for lung transplant patients yes. to keep their bodies oxygenated 
while their lungs arrive. So this is ECMO, right? What mm-hmm. was it? What was it that the the doctor told you um, just before? Just before I got put on the machine. So basically, this machine, like I said, is for lung transplant patients. They just began to use it for viral pneumonias when kind of COVID came about. And they had used it previously because I did some research on this. I'm like, what in the world is my husband going to be put on? And basically, they would not even use this for viral pneumonias. It was a very new concept. Mm. But it showed to keep patients with COVID-19 alive long enough to either get better or get a allow their lungs. Yeah. Allow their lungs to get better for a lung transplant. So it was really, really crazy concept, but they called it really the last ditch effort hope for COVID-19 patients mm. who like you did really poorly. So um, they told me that what they had seen on the floor. And again, there's not like tons of, re- <clears throat> excuse me, there's not tons of research on this machine because it is a new concept for it to be used for varnemonias and it just hasn't been around long enough, you know, and it, to be used in this context. Hmm. But their standard time was about 30 to 45 days that they would see people have to remain on this machine. And hmm. it's scary because you couldn't live off of this right. machine. And this is not a machine that can go home with you. I right. mean, this is something that you have to be in a very specialized hospital in a very specialized ICU. And there's only uh, like, uh, I think a hundred or something is what I found online. Don't quote me on this, but about a hundred hospitals or something in the United States that even carry this machine. For so real? I didn't know that. That's yes. Crazy. It's, it's very, specialized and so not every hospital even has this most of them are transplant Mm. centers so um he only needed it for three weeks which was record time and amazing and just a miracle in and of itself oh you know how i do you know he's a (laughs) show-off i do things (laughs) (laughs) but you know the scary part is that they kept telling me hey you know and in the hospital that you were in which Mm -hmm. was a hospital that i had been employed previously you know they're telling me just so you know this is not um a guarantee that you're husband will live and we're not even guaranteeing you that we can get him this machine because there are such strict criteria for right, him to get right. it it's not even that i was a for sure candidate they yeah had to- they would only offer it because these machines are so limited and there's just a certain amount of them and more patients need them than they actually have right. space for so there was a possibility that the doctor could have told carla like no. listen your husband is mm-hmm. he might survive on this machine but we can't give it to him because Someone else has better chances than he yeah, does. Yeah, so we had to That's begin crazy. to pray that they would consider Daniel a candidate. If not, it was just a waiting game of just waiting till he passed in the hospital while he was sedated. Which is literally. one thing they told you, that they could just keep me comfortable. Yeah, I was told they could just keep Daniel comfortable because the transport in and of itself from the hospital that you were currently in to the hospital in Orlando, Florida, because yeah. we're, we're from Florida. So we were at the Winter Haven Hospital, a local hospital. Um, yeah. So then they transferred you to Orlando. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that was pretty, um, intense. Yeah. And, I, and I was really offered like, Hey, we could just leave him here so that he doesn't die in the transport pretty yeah. much in, in, in kind terms. <laughs> yeah. So going through that, what, what else? I mean, I'm trying to fast forward cause it's, it's a lot. We went it's through a, a lot. long story. And I mean, just to make the story short, Daniel was able to come off the machine. He was able to come off the ventilator, but it was a grueling, painful process for yeah, you, wasn't it? it how was. was learning to breathe? Because he did not only need to learn to walk again. I had to learn how to breathe. He had to learn to breathe. I never thought. Like, it was like frustrating. Like, a ventilator for those, some people might not even know what it is, but basically it's when that, those people have that tube down their throat and yeah. it breathes for them, that machine. Daniel had to had a trach because, you know, he had been intubated for so long that they actually had to cut that little hole in his neck and stick a trach. So he had a tracheostomy for about a month Mm -hmm. and he was connected to the ventilator that way. 
And even though, yeah, he survived being on ECMO and all these things, then we had the issue of his lungs were severely damaged. Could right. he even Would come they, off the ventilator? Could his body even pick up breathing normal again? on its own? Yeah. So at this point, you're awake. You're awake when yes. we get you when they get you off ECMO. And now you're laying in the ICU connected to a ventilator through your trach, but you're 100% awake and 100% yes. aware. Yeah. So this is where I come, I, my, my mind, you know, I come into consciousness, basically. And um, I mean, first of all, I thought I was in a boat the entire time when, <laughs> when I was in my coma. Which is pretty interesting because yeah. we ask him, Daniel, what do you remember? Because, you know, people come back with these crazy stories. I of, thought I was on a cruise. I saw Jesus and all these I things. I'm Jesus. like, what did you see? I did not see Did you see, see me praying for you? And he was like, no, it just felt like I was on a boat the whole time. <laughs> like it's the rocky <laughs> motion. And he was actually on an air mattress that would move him, keep his body like in some type of motion so that he wouldn't get like sores or anything like that. Yeah. So I find that pretty interesting yeah. that you're on a boat. <laughs> so um and you wake up and it was you were not on vacation. I wake up and I <laughs> no. And for those that are wondering, no, I don't remember. Like there wasn't a moment that I woke up and I was like, <gasps> "Where's my wife? You know, where's my puppy?" No, no, they woke you up little I, yeah, by little, little by little. And I don't really remember like a set time or anything like that. All I remember is my wife, you know, would come in and see me. And I, I mean, not only would I cry and apologize to her every single day, um, but I, I was I was falling asleep all the time. I was, you know, You're on heavy medications. Yeah. Um, and they would have to wean me off of the ventilator. And I remember there was this one. Um, I, I think she's a respiratory therapist. Yeah. Um, and I remember she was she was a young girl in black scrubs, um, and she would come in and I. I, I would want to say very bad things to her when she would walk in. <laughs> she made me so mad all you the didn't time. Like her. I didn't be and it's not because she was a mean person, but it's because she was the one in charge of weaning me off the vent. So they would literally come in and take my oxygen and off. take and turn off a specific setting on the ventilator so that Daniel had to breathe on his own. Yeah. And it was very painful because it was like Telling your lungs to expand and yeah. they didn't want to. So it was like breathing against so resistance was, is what tough. you described it. So yeah. So it, it was like, it's like if I had gone for a run and you're panting at the end of the run, mm -hmm. it was like that all the time, you know, when they turn off the vent. So she started simple, you know, let's do 10 minutes. Then she come and give me 15. Come on, let's do 20. And one day she came in after like, I think it was like a 20 minute one. She came in one day. She's like, okay, we're going to try to push it for an hour today. I said, you came straight from Satan. That's what you did. I was so <laughs> mad. I know that the respiratory therapist would tell me, he's a stubborn one. I'm like, ah, yes, he is. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's my husband. But for real, it was yeah. learning to breathe again. It's crazy. And then you had been bedridden for two months. Mm -hmm. Guys, I kid you not. Bedridden for two months, not stood up in months. So you can imagine how painful it was to learn to walk again just sitting up i was there the first time they sat him up after scary. almost two months he it was hard on him mm -hmm. it was painful he it's almost like you know you know when you first wake up in the morning if you get up too quickly you're so dizzy you're like Whoa. imagine that times like a hundred thousand yeah, you know it was terrible painful grueling process i can't even describe to you how it was and then after you were finally better. That trach came off. You were breathing on your own. And by the way, it's a miracle that he never even needed oxygen. That today yeah. he is sitting right here not needing an oxygen tank uh, because I was told it could be a lifelong struggle for him because yeah. his lungs had been so damaged. damaged. Yeah. 
and here he is sitting in front of me like nothing. And then he had severe memory issues too. Once they woke you up, mm-hmm. um, your brain went without, well, I'll say this when they first put him on ECMO, cause I think this is a very crazy part of the story. Um, this is the artificial lung. He went four days where the, the machine was not working. And again, this was our last ditch effort. Right. It was the last thing to that would keep him work. alive. The, I mean, this machine does not heal the lungs. All it does is really keep the person alive long enough for something to happen. Yeah, Hopefully to they're through. just keeping sometimes. I mean, there were moments and, and you know, well, being real, being super real. Yeah. There was moments where I feel like I was just keeping a dead body alive. And it was hope that kept me going, knowing that God had given me a promise. Mm-hmm. And that's the only reason that I would just continue to say, do everything you need to do. Can we because- take a quick pause real quick? When you say, um, like God gave you a promise. What What do you mean by that? What I mean by that is, you know, I don't know why some people do not receive a miracle like we have. You know, I don't know why people some people don't survive cancer and they love God and, and they served God. I mean, that's part of your story, Daniel. Your mm-hmm. father died when you were 19. So, about, you know, like five years ago, your father passed away at the age of 40 or 41. 40. He was 40 One. years old. 41. <laughs> Uh, young, you know, and he left behind, you know, a daughter that had just gotten married. He left behind a 19 year old son and your daughter that got married, that had to get married in the hospital. Your sister got married. Yeah. In the, in the hospice, they they brought him in on a hospital bed, woke him up. But that's for, when we bring them on the podcast. (laughs) Yes. I mean, just, just, they, they had a difficult time and, and then, you know, you, your brother was young too, when Mm -hmm. your father passed. So we don't, we don't know why some people don't get the miracle. All I knew was that when I prayed for mine, I really felt this, um, this sense of keep going. Mm. And I, and I heard the Holy spirit just kind of tell me, keep, just believe me, trust me. And so I kept going and there was moments where I really doubted my decisions, but mm. I just had hope. Right. Cause hope, I, I don't know how else to describe it. And, and my church was behind me praying. There was other churches behind us praying. Mm-hmm. Um, there was just all kinds of people praying, of people. visiting us, bringing us food, bringing us offerings. And I don't know, I just had this hope and I just knew that you were going to make it. And that's the only way I can describe it. And because I had that word from God, I kept going, I kept mm. believing. So, yeah. yeah. And I think it's crazy because you tell me often, which is which is the whole point of this podcast. And for those of you that are listening, we, we really want you to understand the whole reason for this podcast, because Carla had this this unwavering faith and people would look at her from what she describes, like like if she was this lost puppy. Like if she was this little girl um, who didn't know approached by people that I don't think it was done purposely at all. Right. They're just trying to be sensitive to the situation. Some People, I think sometimes were and I could see it in their eyes as I spoke about the progress that you were making. They would look at me and kind of think that maybe I just didn't understand like how bad the situation was. But I just want to repeat this. Like I'm a nurse who worked in a COVID-19 unit. And I am the type of nurse that if there's a new disease or a new treatment, like I read up on it, I read research research. articles and I want to understand, like we were the first unit in our hospital to be turned into a COVID unit, right? We needed to keep the the patients away from the general population of the hospital Mm -hmm. just to try to contain that. And y'all, like I I saw what COVID could do. There was no doubt in my mind that we were in a really bad situation. I couldn't deny it. And I think that's really pivotal to our story. I couldn't deny it. How bad it yeah, was. Yeah. Like I could read your lab values and no one had to sit there and tell me, do you understand how bad it is? I understood like fully. Right. You, know? you knew. 
Yeah. And even if I, I, I never worked in the ICU setting or I'm not a doctor, like I, no one had to sit there and tell me how bad it was. I think I could understand it for myself. Right. It was, it was bad. You get these doctors that I feel sometimes are, are so used to seeing, um, the negative situations and, yeah, and how yeah. poorly they de and, and how quickly they de-escalate. I mean, in all honesty, you shouldn't have made it. Right. God did something and yeah. people, people believe even like nurses and doctors that would call me. They're like, listen, like, for example, like I was saying with the ECMO machine, it was my last hope to keep at least Daniel alive until something could happen. It bought him time. And I'm thinking, this is it. This will work. You know, this, he just needs more time to heal. And you know, I get a phone call after three or four days on the machine and they tell me we could add another hose. At this point, you had already had another one added to your three body in total, so right? that you had three. And she's like, we could add another one to the other side of his body just to see because the machine is just not flowing. And for those of you wondering real quick, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Um, no, I didn't feel Again, any, any of this. I'm still yes. sleeping when they were connecting Completely the sedated. ECMO and all this yes. stuff. So, um, sorry. yeah, the hard part came later for you, but, yeah. um, at this point, she tells me uh, this doctor and she actually began to cry with me on the phone. And she tells me, listen, we, there was ICU doctors, surgeons, nurses, charge nurses in his room. We all had a big meeting because his oxygen levels are not going up. And theoretically, they should. We don't know why. I'm basically famous in winter. <laughs> no. And this is in the Orlando hospital, too. I mean, mm -hmm. people would I mean, I would walk in there like, they were Whoa, confused. oh, we know your husband's story, mm -hmm. you know, and it was crazy. Like the machine was not working and the last effort was not working. My last effort's not working. I'm like, this is it. My, my husband's gone. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to be a 26 year old widow. I was so That's scared. Tough. That is very tough. That's and tough. it definitely gave me compassion for people out there that have right, gone similar not situation. Everybody's story is like ours. Get, no, not everyone's story has a, a happy ending. Somebody Despite make it, you know? our struggles now, not, you know, I think we had an amazing outcome and, and I understand that not everyone gets that. So yeah, we really, I have an awakened compassion for those people. Mm -hmm. um, but I really think God performed an amazing miracle in your life. And, mm -hmm. and I had to just keep hoping. Yeah. 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 And, you know, I, I, I continue to progress. And, and that's kind of where I, I wake up. Um, they slowly wean me off the, um, the sedation. And, um, and like I said, it wasn't a, an awakening moment where I'm just like, oh, I'm, I'm in existence again. No, it wasn't like that. It was just, you know, I started waking up little by little and stuff like that. I remember my wife coming to see me, my little brother, my mother. And um, you couldn't speak for a long time. I couldn't time at all. I, I, he had the trach, but he there's a special little valve, a little cap that they put on the trach. Yeah. So for many, many weeks, he could only mouth to me. And while he was still like on a little bit of sedation, but still like able to wake up. Mm -hmm. He would sign to us and we were all like, listen, his brain is let me okay. tell you guys something. I learned sign language. I took a, it was a, it was a, what is that called? Was an elective. In high school? In, no, I took it in then John Middle School, Carla, <laughs> in seventh grade. And he was signing to and us. And I was, I, I know, I never Obviously, like, sign language. like, no, yeah, like we don't know sign language, but he would say, like, I love you. Like, I think most of us would probably know the sign for I love yeah. you. He could spell, like, him and I would yeah, sometimes I knew, be like, on road letters. trips and we would practice, like, the alphabet, you know, because we just like it. And, he he actually signed my like the C for my name. He yeah. signed I love you. He asked for, for the dog, dog, which is but those my were signs boy. to yeah. me that his brain was functioning because that was also a big possibility that because he went without oxygen for so long 
that his brain would not be okay. Yeah. And that he would come back um, with brain damage. And yeah. that was also very scary. Yeah. Yeah. So there was, so it was like open to so much, you know, when yeah. I was coming off of the sedation and um, that's basically what I remember. I remember waking up and, um, and asking all these questions like, you know, what's going on. You know, I remember my sister who's currently pregnant, coming to see me and me calling her fat i was like oh I was like, no i was like, oh. I was like i'm so sorry but i, I like, remember you put your speak. hand on her I belly like, fat. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we were like she's pregnant and he was like yeah i know you're fat i was like oh my god <laughs> but yeah daniel i we got to hear this side of the story so now we're two months into your hospitalization mm. you're finally awake talking eating but still very very sick your lungs are still kind of damaged and struggling Month three, you got to go to rehab. So he had to go to a, re- a rehabilitation center mm-hmm. where he would do physical therapy, learn to. And walk. I wasn't eating it, by the way. He, yeah, oh yeah, you were barely touching your food. He would throw oh. up, oh. and again, his stomach hadn't had real food in it for mm-hmm. months. I was so. being fed those drinks. Yeah, and he had like a tube down his nose that mm-hmm. was feeding him as well. And yeah. now you're in rehab, and now you have to painfully. Like it was agonizing, relearn how to do everything. It was terrible. I'm talking from writing to eating to walking to grabbing things, getting ready, showering. Everything everything. was a very difficult struggle. Yeah. Yeah. So this is kind of like, I mean, just before we got into rehab, we were in what's called a step down unit. Um, And in that step down unit, it was, (laughs) I'm, I'm telling you, Rehab was tough. It was really tough. And it was um it was a grueling process to go through physically. But Carla, if there was one thing I can say that was the worst in my consciousness when like, you know, when I'm awake and everything, it was that step down unit. And that step down unit, I had some of my worst breakdowns. I mean, I had I had some bad breakdowns in rehab. I was like, I wanna go home. I wanna go home. I don't care if yeah. I'm in a freaking wheelchair. I yeah. wanna go home. But it was not as bad as the loneliness that I felt in that step down unit. Yeah, because at this point, they guys, leave me alone. Yeah, from this what is you were telling this me. is already. So he went in in February fourteenth of twenty twenty one, and this is now we are in March, and you know, still they were. I, I don't know how it is now, by the way, but like they would not allow any visitors. They right. would just allow two. And and for many weeks while he was sedated, I couldn't even go see him because he was still testing positive for COVID. So mm-hmm. no visitors were allowed. So I went weeks without being able to see him. And then, you know, when you're in that step down unit, only I would go see you or mm-hmm. like your mom, your sister, but it was only like two people a day. And that's it. So a lot of the time you were on your own. Mm-hmm. And by the way, that hospital that he spent most of his time in was an hour and a half from our home. So yeah. I would drive that every single yeah. day. It wasn't convenient, like in the least bit. It was not easy. I had, my worst breakdowns were driving on I-4. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Come on, I'm here trying to get to my Sin husband. And, and people try, people trying to kill you mm-hmm. out there. Like, I Those have to plead the blood. <laughs> I was like, are you serious? We're going to have to do tragedies on our hands. Like, yeah. it was just bad. But I did it and we got through it and it was with the amazing help of God and a community of believers yeah. and people that were willing to to fight alongside us. Yeah. And now, Daniel, just to kind of bring it full circle now, we are home. Yes. You've been home. Thank the Lord. You got home on May 12, 2021. 2021. One yep. of the best days of my life. Was, I had tacos amazing. as soon as I got home. Tacos. That's all he wanted. Taco, my friend. We love you guys. <laughs> he wanted tacos and we got him tacos and... 
The first few weeks of home were not easy, were they? No, they weren't. But I mean, the homecoming was beautiful. If I'm being Absolutely. quite honest, I and I that cried too. And while he I was in rehab, <laughs> you couldn't crazy. walk. I couldn't. Rehab was supposed to be two weeks, and, and I had to be there for a month. It took a month to get him walking, and I started walking the last week. It was it was absolutely probably four, four or five days before no, you went. For it, home. it wasn't uh-huh. that long, and I wasn't even walking. And I was that like, far. that's all I needed because they were already asking me like where I could About put a, a hospital, hospital bed, bed. Oh in the gosh. house, and I'm like, I, I can't do it. I can, yeah. I cannot bring home a bedridden husband. So we began to pray. She said, really if he's hard. not walking, you can just leave him here. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> No, but it, it is very difficult to take care of a bedridden person at home mm-hmm. and is dangerous as it's, well. It's so. not just dangerous, Carla. If we're being honest, because, you know, we want to be real in this podcast. It would have been extremely overwhelming for you emotionally. I don't know to how see your I husband would have done it. And and even at home. he came home walking with a walker and eating a wheelchair a lot of yeah. times as well. But he came home walking and that in it of itself was also a miracle. Mm-hmm. He literally had lost all his body mass and you lost a lot of weight. So I, I lost almost 200 You lost pounds. nutrition. You lost so much weight. And um, home life was not easy the first few weeks. No, it was not. No. Everything was a struggle. You know, daily activities. I mean, showering, brushing your getting teeth. Getting ready, which they helped ready. me with that rehab, but still. But, but you come home still pretty sick and yeah. and to continue your your rehabilitation at home. So that was really difficult mm-hmm. as well. And then having to go to dialysis at 24 yeah. years old. How is that, Daniel? It's it's um it's overwhelming because um especially in my center, you know, anyone else is on dialysis or, you know, you're going to centers and stuff like that. But I see a lot of older folks, you know, at the dialysis center, and it makes me sad. It's hard because I'm like emotionally very yeah, hard I'm process. Like, um, is it is it me? Like, <laughs> would they, could I have done something different? You know, because I'm the youngest one there. You know, mm. I, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, most of the people there, besides the nurses and techs, could be my 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 parents' age. You know, or they are my parents' age. Some some are even older than that. Um, and it's funny seeing me. Not funny. It's actually sad. I, I walk in there. You know, now that I have my brace and I'm like the 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 I'm skipping in there like oh, skip to the loo, my door. You know, I'm all yeah. excited walking in there, and you have a lot of older folks that don't look too happy to be there. But honestly, I, I think I'm just happy to be alive. That's really all. Yeah, it is. and I, I think that's our attitude in all of this. Even though we have to continue on with dialysis, and his kidneys haven't shown signs of improvement yet. yet. They did at the beginning, but now. We don't see that kind of plateaued. So I think it's because my diet has changed significantly, though. It could be that, yeah. yeah. Anyway, continue. so anyway, so we're we're still praying that. I yes. mean, kidneys have come back after even years. So unfortunately, he has to stay in dialysis for now. A machine helps basically to to keep him alive, which is a pretty scary thought. But yeah. daily life, um, other than that, looks kind of normal for yeah. us. Uh, we're enjoying so much time together and getting to go to church again. How? Daniel, let me ask yes. you, mm-hmm. now that your life is so different, mm-hmm. how does it feel? How does it feel to need dialysis to to be alive? And how does it feel to have your life so drastically changed by illness at 24 years old? That's funny because we were just at a convention for Assemblies of God. For those of you that don't know, we were part of the And we're the vaccinated. Okay. Yeah, we are. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, we're vaccinated. We're part of the, the Council of Assemblies of God. And um, we had a district convention here in Florida um, and um, in Miami. And I had a, a the 
district youth director come up to me and ask me, um, bro, what's the hardest part of this entire thing, you know, being back home? You would think I would be able to answer that question quickly. I was not able to. There's a lot of hard There's things. There's so much. You know, I have a hard time answering that as well. I don't, yeah. What's I, the hardest? What's the hardest? Bro. Like losing you would have been the hardest thing. So yeah, having you. It, you didn't it, lose me. So what is the hardest? Because. I'm, I'm too grateful to have That's you. what I'm saying. Yeah. It's 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 such a bittersweet. It's a difficult question to answer question, for sure. You know, because. And I told them. I, I, jokingly, I said not being able to eat what I used to eat. <laughs> <laughs> but I told them. Um not being as independent as I used to be. And honestly, I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to stick with that same answer. Um, I, I, I'm, st I'm driving finally, you know, I'm, I'm, and I drove like to the gas station and to get a haircut on my own. That's as far as I've driven, you know, um, other than that, I'm with my wife in the car. Uh, but losing that independence has been absolutely awful. You know, my father, raised me in a way that um that you know you you he wasn't the bread the sole brand winner and at home my mom worked and my mom made good money and you know so did he um so i knew coming into a marriage i, I that's what i wanted to they exemplified it so i wanted to do mm -hmm. the same you know act the same i didn't want to be a husband who you know worked part-time because he his wife made good money or, or worked the part time because he, he wanted time to play video games with friends. That wasn't me. I don't even have a game system. You know, it's 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 not it's not who I am. I Who I was was a man who wanted to take care of his wife and in, in every way possible. It, you know, I was proud to be that way. So losing that independence in that sense, you know, and seeing my wife having to do so much, that's been the hardest part. Mm. And I know it was a long answer. Yeah, that I, I would have to agree that the way that our lives have changed is difficult because we walk at a slower pace. Now yeah. Wow, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I think we forgot to mention too that he, you did lose some vision on your left eye and your yeah. left foot. He had uh, some foot drops. So basically a little bit of paralysis on the foot. We don't know yeah. from what, but it is suspected that he had a stroke while he was sedated. So And it affected the left side of my yeah, body. Yeah, but... but he's gotten mobility back through physical therapy and he's still, you know, you're still in therapies, but it, it has been very hard to see how much our lives have changed. We're mm -hmm. very active. We were like, we, we like to go on road trips. We like to go and take we our dog to the dog the park. Time. We, we're not homebodies no, in any sense of the word. We would take our dog the to the lake and just let him go to the beach and just yeah, let him go. Yeah, we, we like to be doing things. So obviously yeah. our lives have slowed down, but wanting to get back to how, you know, active we were, or at least close to that, I think is a big motivator as to yeah. why we continue to fight for therapies and why we continue to. And it's a big motivator back. as yeah. to why I reject the wheelchair and the walker. <laughs> he really to a degree does. That you guys will never he, understand. <laughs> when I tell him, Daniel, we have to walk a long way, you know, to get to, you know, from point A to point B into a store or something. Do you want the wheelchair? I mean, just because he does get tired, and especially at the beginning, you couldn't, you wouldn't have been able to make it. And he looks at that wheelchair like he just wants it to spontaneously catch on fire. Honestly, I want to do a photo <laughs> shoot while I'm burning the walker and the wheelchair in the background. I've told her con consistently that he I want to do that. it. I, I genuinely <laughs> That's do. So true. That those pictures will go viral. I, they will. 
and they'll promote this podcast. <laughs> we'll put Maybe the name of the podcast that. down at the bottom combos of the euros. And the, 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 the equipment just burning <laughs> in the background. Uh, <laughs> I, I I want to see that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to light it on fire, but, but um, yeah. But yeah, so that's been, I, I mean, I like I like those answers that we gave because I, I think it's a reality, not just for our situation, mm. but I think for a lot of people, especially with COVID too, readjusting to life, you know, everybody's just being home now and and not talking to people and stuff. And now that everything's getting back, it's like weird. Like, is this? I okay? know when I see people without masks, I'm like, oh, put a mask on. It, no, like, it like, feels oh, naked. Like you feel <laughs> naked, but yeah. it's nice to see the world returning to somewhat, you know, normal. a little like a little bit of normalcy. Bit. It's yeah, funny because so we, nice. we have a joke because our nephew, you know, he's uh, turning two, I think. Um, no, he so he's one and a half now. So literally turning two. Was, what's the right to correct? <laughs> <laughs> but he was born in February, like right when weeks the pandemic before started the lockdown. So, so it's funny because we're saying that in these memories that he's gonna have, he's gonna be like, "Oh, I remember their eyes," and but none of these people I had have mouths. These vague childhood memories where I, I couldn't see, see their, their face. face. <laughs> <laughs> because it's true yeah. like he, he got to know everybody through a mask through a mask even us because when we first would go see him yeah, we wanted to we, be careful we wanted to be careful and it was so funny yeah, i'm like this kid's not gonna know i'm like this kid's not gonna know our faces yeah. but yeah that's pretty interesting but man. now he asks yeah. for me all the time and i know you're jealous it's okay it's like tío, guys tío, i'm upset tío, no tío. he says titi now he sounds like a little pigeon <laughs> like a little pigeon tío, tío, tío. Yo, i don't know what it is about nephews and now we have like a niece on the way. Yeah. I feel like I have a child being born. For like, real. I'm so That's excited. True. Like if there's like titis and tios out there, yeah, it's a it's a it's a different <laughs> kind of love, yeah. man. But anyways, we are we hope that you got to know us a little bit yes. through our story and that you are looking forward just as we are to all the guests we're gonna have on and to the future of this. A show. I'm really excited yeah. about what God is going to do, yes. and I'm excited about what He's not only doing in our lives, but what He's doing in the local churches. And, right, um, and He's t- He's yeah. still moving. He God is. is still moving. Yep. You know, for those of you that feel like life is overwhelming, and um, and you feel like maybe you're going through a little bit too much, understand that God is still moving. Mm-hmm. Um, he's still moving, and He's still working miracles. I I would be lying if I said that I didn't have really hard days overwhelming days and days where You're it felt like it was the end to have those you are allowed to have yeah those. you are you are and hope is a powerful thing mm-hmm. and if you're having those days just know there are brighter days and it gets better yes it absolutely does it does so i guess we're gonna leave it off for here yeah and until next episode bye guys bye